You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 114, and today we're sharing our top 10 business book recommendations, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I am your co-host for today, joined by the Dapper, Tim Hyde. Welcome, da- welcome, oh, welcome, Dapper. Welcome, Tim. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. How are you? Oh, I told you I was going to be full of beans today. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to suit up or something. <laughs> like jeans and a T-shirt as we record this. <laughs> I don't know. It's very entrepreneurial cool to have a suit jacket on with a T-shirt and jeans. I have a suit jacket here. Over the back see? I knew I could see through you <laughs> like an X-ray to know that there was one there. I just there knew it <laughs> Oh, I, I've got a feeling that this episode is going to be a bit of fun. Well, look, you know, it's always going to be fun when we start our, we start our pre-episode planning um, with sharing <laughs> some fun stories of conversations on LinkedIn. Which we always do, don't we? we <laughs> I think it's hilarious how often we, we share LinkedIn stories before we record. I know. It must be something about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is apparently not as serious as you might as well think it is. Oh, um, it definitely one, is not. Mine for today was, you know, someone I was connecting to. I was just going back to uh, some, some old conversations and one gentleman said, oh, you know, can you please make an online appointment so I can... So maybe we can chat. And I said, sure thing. You know, send me your calendar link. And he said, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> just, to be honest, I'm not really sure where to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't click yes, I do to book in. <laughs> oh. uh, but we actually, were, actually, I'd love you to share, Tim, because you also shared with me a really cool way to follow along in your LinkedIn messages, which is something that I know that probably a lot of people have an issue with. You know, you get so many messages come through, it's very easy to miss messages and you use an awesome strategy that I'd love you to share. Yeah, well, this is actually one I, um, I missed a sales opportunity a little while ago. I was, was having a, a ongoing conversation with a prospect through LinkedIn Messenger and went away on holidays for, for 10 days and then cruised where I was out of contact and came back. And in that interim time you know that conversation got massively buried down in the pile of other ones um, and i'm thinking you know if i log in this morning you know, not even this morning it was like 68 unread messages in my in my profile and it becomes very hard to to track those and i'm i think i'm going to try and mature the strategy further but one of the things that that i'm, I'm currently doing is when i got an opportunity for an ongoing conversation on your phone you can swipe to the left and you can mark the conversation as archived or unread. So if you reply to someone and know that you want to get back to us, in case they don't, all right, you can mark it as unread. And then you can then filter your conversations either on the phone or on desktop by unread messages. All right? So I usually use that one as my kind of something I need to go back to. Now, there are still 
an absolute ton of them. <laughs> I will preface that. But it is actually much easier to follow on than just the sort of conversations that, you know, it might be a bit dead or, or they've replied and, you know, that you don't want to pursue it. Yeah. One way of potentially sort of keeping track of your active conversations. When you send them a reply, mark it as unread and you'll know that you need to go back to it. It's a bit easier to find than potentially the hundreds or thousands of conversations you're having. So hopefully everyone finds that as exciting as me. I was very excited <laughs> at this, that there's actually a strategy to not lose my messages. And, you know, actually I want to share something else very quickly, Tim. I saw a, you know, everyone knows I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan and I saw a, a quick clip on him yesterday talking about LinkedIn and I can't remember what the other platform was, but he was saying that LinkedIn is the first platform he's seen that is looking like Facebook was back in 2011, i.e. he thinks that it's got the potential to go as big as Facebook. And Ooh, I thought that that was a really cool, that's another little tidbit I wanted to share because I have certainly seen LinkedIn change this year, a huge amount of content going out on LinkedIn and it's changing to not just sort of straight out professional conversations and content. I would agree with him on that one. Oh, that Gary's, Gary's, looking like it's Gary's, taking off. Gary's pretty good at his social media predictions. You know? Oh, of course. The other one was TikTok, LinkedIn and TikTok. So, mm-hmm. and he's, he suggested that if you don't know how to use either of those platforms, that spend 20 or 30 hours just going through, having a look at other people's content, getting to know it, which yeah. is what I'm doing on TikTok at the moment. I've grabbed my handle and not doing anything there yet, just having a look to see what everyone else is doing. Awesome. Now, today, of course, we're not going to talk about LinkedIn or anything. We're going to talk about our favourite business books. Yes. Do you like reading, Tim? Um, I don't get to it as much as I'd like to, to be honest. But I I do recall a thing that I saw about a year ago. It was just a a Facebook video about a guy in Singapore who was talking about how his father always encouraged him to read books. And literally, he was walking through his library of literally hundreds of books. And it kind of, he made a really interesting point about books that we, or authors in particular, those of us who have written books, not me, have you written a book, Sam? I sure have. You have written a book, awesome. What's your book called? My book is called The Heart of Entrepreneurship. Oh my God, that's one of my new favourite books. <laughs> of course it is. You haven't read it, but I'll okay. send you a copy. <laughs> and one in time, that distilled all of your knowledge about your area of expertise. Mm hmm. Okay, some of ours like you know Seth Godin and Ted Cow. At the point, particular point, he had distilled pretty much everything he knew about creative business that stands out of the marketplace right, into the into Purple Cow. Now, this sort of story went on to say, look, you go through life and life was like this is a battle. Okay, and every time you add a book, is like soldiers. It's taking all of that distilled knowledge and adding it to your little army of experience that you can take through life. Right. Now, the more soldiers you have the more likely you are to be in the battle. Oh, I like it. Okay, yeah, it was interesting, right? Okay, and the more books, right? So every time you read a book, you're taking that person's wealth, their, their lifetime worth of knowledge and adding that to your army. Wow. Soldier. And I thought that was a really fascinating way of viewing it, okay? And, you know, because we have, we, we, you know, at this stage, we still have finite lives and finite existences and we... We learn everything over and over again, right? That's what humanity does. We keep uh-huh. learning the same stuff over and over again. And we don't have a hive mind of collected knowledge. You know, we sort of do it the way of Google now, but we don't we don't possess that yes. at our fingertips, right? So 
by reading books and learning, we actually start to accumulate all that wealth of knowledge, Seth's and George Classen's and, and everybody's wealth of knowledge, their whole life of learning into something that we can distill and we can sort of digest really quickly and take forward for our own life. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm a big reader. I was that kid that was under the covers at midnight with a torch reading. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I just sit on the sofa and do it whenever I feel like. But I absolutely love <coughs> reading. And I noticed a couple of years ago that I'd stopped reading as much because I was busy. So now I read every afternoon. I take some time off in the afternoon and read. And Good reading, well, I'll, I'll share what I'm currently reading. I am reading... Superfans by Pat Flynn. Oh, cool. Very cool. So it's not well, easy. If you've ever but... seen, if you've <laughs> ever had the great pleasure of seeing Sam on camera, on a Zoom, you can see that her bookshelf behind her, her <laughs> laden with books, so much so that there's one stuck in the top of one, one side on and everything. And this isn't even all of them. This is only the ones that you can see. (laughs) I can see see those shelves bowing under the weight. (laughs) Absolutely. I love my books. So that's why I I suggested let's do an episode with our top 10 favourite business books, the books that we go back to and use them as references constantly, the ones that have shaped the way that we do business some way or another. And like one of the books in this list that might be dog-eared, coffee stains, written in, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, unsurprisingly, you know, the first one on, on my list. Well, should we both put this one right at the top? Which is definitely dog-eared, is uh, The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber. This uh, well, this is, I mean, this has sold, sold millions and millions of copies. It's absurd the number of copies that are out there of The E-Myth, I reckon. Because it's such a fabulous book. I think that every business owner should have a copy of the e-myth so if you haven't read this book definitely get a copy of this book yeah i think that i think the thing about i mean there's a sort of subtitle on the e-myth is like why small businesses don't work and what to do about it is that it kind of really takes you out and and makes you start to think about what does it take to actually run a successful small business i mean obviously michael gerber talks a lot about um systemization and stuff that we've We've spoken about it a lot as well. So it doesn't really go into, hey, this is the script and this is what you do on Facebook. So it's, that's why I think that's, that's why I think it's one of those really timeless business books mm-hmm. because it talks about really the stages of business growth and what you need to do to get through those stages. And one of my big takeaways from this was really that if you want to create a business, you've got to kind of approach it. And he talks about it in that sort of almost the franchise fashion, even if you never intend to franchise, you kind of want to systemize your business so that your business runs your people, not your people running the business. Absolutely. Okay, that's a kind of really weird thing to say that your people runs a business because it sounds like somebody would get massively out of control, like super quick. But he talks about how, you know, you want to design systems that tell your people what to do and when to do, do it. Yeah. So some of the case studies that he uses don't apply straight over to an online business, but you can still apply the principles. Mm. And I think that it's more like a big picture idea of how to create your business and your systems, your hierarchy of staff and create them for the business that you want to be in the future and understand that whilst you can't have it, start working like that now so that you 
do have the opportunity to grow. Absolutely. Now, there was another one that we put on here that we both put on. Yeah, so <laughs> the first two we both put on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one other one that we both put on as well, but it's funny how, it, you know, when we sort of, we're going through this list, we both put both of these books on. And the second one is The Thought Leaders Practice, um, which I actually also have on my, like literally on my desk, The Thought Leaders Practice, written by Matt Shirk, Peter Cook, and Scott Stein. And the thing I, I really liked about the thought leaders practice. I don't know, actually, it's a really easy book to read, isn't it? Oh, it is so easy to read. I remember reading this the first time, and I say the first time because I've read it multiple times. I think I knocked it off just in like one domestic flight from mm. cover to cover. It is very easy to read. It wasn't, it clearly wasn't a flight from Sydney to Canberra, which is only 22 minutes long. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't read that fast. It was okay. probably something like Sydney to right. Adelaide, I'm guessing. Right. <laughs> now, it is, I mean, it is sort of 270 odd pages long, but. You know, why did, what was your takeaway from this one? Why did you like it? I think this was the, and I read this quite a few years ago, the biggest takeaway for me or the first aha moment, because let me just say that this book is just packed with value bombs, but the big high-level takeaway for me was to build your personal brand because at the time, coming from traditional business, <laughs> I was always in the mindset of you build your business so you could sell it. So when I went into coaching and I, I was really torn thinking, how do we build this business to sell it? So the big takeaway is that you don't, that there's a difference, that it's not a business, like think about your business as a practice, which is why Thought Leaders practice, and the differences between the practice and the business. And that was, that was game changing for me because I didn't have to, you know, have that brain being caught up constantly thinking you're doing it wrong, you're not going down the right path. From that point, I was like, Got it. I understand what I'm doing now. Let's get going. I really like that too. I think there's this thing in the market that we sort of go into the business, you know, go into business thinking it's not something we're involved with and sort of distant from it. We can sell it at any particular time and we kind of, and that's fine, right? A lot of businesses we might go in to build and then sell. Right? But I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, a, of something I heard Mark Cuban say, right? Who's a, a US billionaire, owns the, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, it's been on TV a few times as well, obviously. And he said, <laughs> if, you, if you go into business with the expectation that you're going to sell it at some point, you're not committed enough to make it work. Oh, interesting, because there's a lot of people with a chain of thought that you should be thinking <clears> about the sale right or the exit right from the beginning. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important to have an eye on that. Yes. You know, and then fully commit. And I, and I do like the way that, that thought of this practice actually sort of just says, like, just build a practice. And if someone buys it, be ready to sell, but you don't necessarily have to think like that. Absolutely. So the next one, I haven't actually read. This, this is one of your favourite books. And I'm, when I'm we sick. were discussing this episode, you showed me the pile of them that you have. And when I say okay, the pile of got, them, they're, they're all the same book. <laughs> here we go. Okay. I actually have three copies, three copies of this book on my desk. This is how much I like this book, okay? Again, this is one that, again, it doesn't really go down into the practicalities of running a business at all. In fact, you probably read it, you probably not even look at it as a business book. It's, it's written by George S. Classen, and it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Which I've heard a ton of people talking about. Yeah. And after speaking to you and, and hearing your takeaways, I'll definitely pick it up. But yeah. what's your takeaways from The Richest Man in Babylon? It sort of goes into laws of gold. So it's more about, less about business and more about wealth management and wealth creation, I guess. And it's written in this really kind of cool parable from the perspective of Ben Sear, right, the you know, young man in Babylon, you know, his uncle 
you know, who's the richest man in Babylon, the rich, and he tells his nephew the law, he teaches his nephew the laws of gold, right, and how to make money work for you. And I think this is important to kind of recognize that we're in business to do something other than the business, right? Absolutely. We're in business to make an impact on our lives, on our world, however that, how big we, we want to envisage that world. It won't much be your, your world might be just your family. And that's totally okay. But it talks about sort of, you know, things about saying, make your money work for you smartly. And that was one of my big takeaways from that. I think we can, you know, we can get used to just doing the machinations of business, but not really thinking about how do I, what am I doing it for? How am I building my wealth? And, and my business is the vehicle to build my wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Love so it. That's one of the reasons I like the richest man in Babylon. And I'm going to send you a copy, Sam. So. Oh, we, we get to do book swaps. This is exciting. We're going to do book swaps. That's right. Swapsies. <laughs> <laughs> now, this next one, I don't think you've read, have you? I haven't read this one either. And this is, <clears throat> oh, this one I actually could not put down and even posted it on Facebook. I seriously sat for three days in my pyjamas from morning to night reading this one. I loved it. And it's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And okay. Phil Knight is the co-founder for Nike. And, yep. you know, we look at someone that is a multi, multi-billionaire that's hanging out with people like Bill Gates, you know, they're, they're friends. And yep. you're thinking, wow, super successful. Well, to read his story from how he first started and how he got going was just so, it, the book is so raw and so real. And what I took away is that the people that we look at and just go, wow, that, you know, like, they're so successful, they often take risks that most people wouldn't. So I, the, my biggest takeaway was you have to go all in, which most of the time I do. You know, I, I guess we're only we're only human. There's sometimes I think, oh, I'm too scared to do that. But just to read like how far in he was and how many how many times he almost lost Nike, um, and you know lost you know everything, even the rug under his feet is incredible. So. For, from an inspirational standpoint, I yeah. thoroughly recommend reading Shoe It's quite, quite humbling in many ways to actually sort of read these stories. And, and you, you put these people on, on pedestals and go, yeah. oh, they're incredible. Yeah. But then and, and a lot of them, most of them come from really humble, humble beginnings. He certainly did come from a hum, humble beginning. And the story of him building it wasn't just like he had five hard years and then he was rich. It was a long time because he was mm. constantly putting so much money back into it. There was something like 20 years he still was, he'd pretend that he'd left his credit card home because he had nothing to even buy lunch for a client. It's incredible story, yeah. you know, so thoroughly recommend. <clears throat> now, my next one is called Getting Started in Consulting. Now, this is written by a guy named Alan Weiss. I don't know if Alan's still practicing or not. He's um, a consultant in the US. Now, one of the things I love about Alan, he runs a business called Summit Consulting. He's written quite a few books and, and consults to sort of Fortune 100 companies in, in the US. Are really, really big. Oh, nice. He said on his website, which is not flash or fancy by any means, he has one product for sale, which is his million-dollar consulting program. Oh, uh, <laughs> Hello. Right, so he sells it. Right? He's literally got him, and I uh, think he's got two VAs, and does you know tens of millions of dollars in consulting business every single year. No way. And he sells his program through a PayPal buy now button <laughs> for seven hundred and fifty thousand US. Wow. That just <laughs> that just throws out all the shoulds and and rules out the window, doesn't it? That is awesome. 
Like right, that's this very unassuming, like you know, the old school. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, one of the things I love about this book, and he's written, he's written a couple, right? So the other book, one of the other books, he's written is called the Consultant's Bible, like how to turn a six-figure consultant because into a seven-figure one. He gives you all the tools and tips and, and techniques. One of the things I like about getting started in consulting is it sort of really breaks down, I guess, the kind of framework and collateral and everything you need to start a consulting business. Even to the point of saying, how much money do you need in the bank to start a consulting business? Where do you find your first clients for a consulting business? How do you set up your office? Right? Mm. What infrastructure do you need to set up a consulting business? I love it that he says, you know, don't worry about contracts. because what? And now, what's his reason behind that? I don't. Right? <laughs> because as soon as you put terms and conditions and contracts into a proposal that's going to a customer, it'll immediately get sent off to the legal department and they'll stuff it up. What? <laughs> <laughs> They'll find a reason for you and your, your, you know, the contact that you build a relationship with in a company you want to work with. But they'll go, oh, you know, it has to go up to legal because it's got all these terms and conditions that we don't understand. So it actually breaks down the relationship. It makes a really good point. And particularly, I guess, when you're, if you're consulting to very large companies, if they don't want to pay, guess what? No amount of taking them to court will get them to pay because they've got deeper pockets and lawyers on stuff. Very true. So cut your losses and go and find a new client. Wow. Um, it's so, interesting hearing other people's perspectives. <clears throat> Yeah, so it goes down to really practical advice like that. You know, the first version I read, it's actually said, get a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> there, is now a, there is now a revised version now. Which can, oh, that's so good. <laughs> fax machine now. That's really, that's really cool. And, and certainly, even thinking, you know, if you start your business, you know, work out what it costs you to run a year of your life frugally, or work out what it costs to run a year of your life. And before you start your business, your consulting business, make sure you've got that as a reserve. Wow. There you go. Okay. Good one. So many people just go, I'm going to start. Right? We know that Australians in particular, and probably in the US as well, or wherever you're listening to this, most people sort of live paycheck to paycheck. Right? Yeah. So you kind of get that desperation breath. That, yes. I need a client today. Right? But if you've got that reserve in place and you know what it's going to look like, you can build your business in a year if you're not stressed about where you're the wrong way is. Yeah, that, good point because it's very hard to build a business when you're constantly in that scarcity zone. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, All this right, one this, I haven't read either. No, this is one of my favourites. This is the book that I know exactly where it is on the shelf because I pull it out at least once a week. It is dog-eared. It is like my Bible. It's got coffee stains on it. It's got scribbles in it. And if you haven't got a copy of this, thoroughly recommend it. It's called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. And this is how to build your coaching business pretty much from where to go. And I've got the illustrated version. As a visual person, this is this really appeals to me. Probably why I pull it out so much. It's got really cool pictures in it. <laughs> <laughs> models. Models describe so much so easily, don't they? Oh, my goodness. I, I just love it. I just love this book. But this was the first book that I really understood the concept of only working with ideal clients. And he takes you through a lot of stories, a lot of – it's like a workbook. You actually work through it to help you understand who these ideal clients are, how to work out who these ideal clients are. And it was the first time I'd ever read, it's okay to get rid of your dud clients. So he calls them star clients and dud clients. And need I say more? We all want star clients and not dud clients. That's how good the book is. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pull any punches, does it? Nah, it is Actually, really, really you, good. You're right. I mean, this is a bit of a sort of, I mean, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on you. So you're, you quite often you know, writing books. I read a lot of electronic books on my phone uh, uh -huh. now, but I must admit when I do have a book, I occasionally 
probably not as much as you, so like underline and highlight and scribble in the margin. But you seem to do that a lot. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always have a... That's, a, that's a, you know, just as a sort of learning tool. Do you reckon that it actually sort of increases your comprehension of what the material is? Totally. So the reason I highlight as I read, mm -hmm. and I even do it on my... I'm, I've got hundreds on my Kindle as well, and I still yeah. highlight on that as well. But I actually prefer real books and a highlighter because if something stands out to me, I'll highlight it. And for a couple of reasons. One is that it really gets, I really understand that or it really embeds what I've just read. Mm. And the second piece is it's easy when I go back because I use my books a lot, like I reference them or, or go back to them. So it means that I can flick back through and find it very easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I'm on a, a long flight, like I was recently over to the US, I'll jump on the plane with five books and a highlighter. And I will, I'll highlight the whole time I'm, I'm there. Love it. Love it. Awesome. There's another one you haven't read. No, I actually have read this oh, one. And what, there's actually a model in here that I printed out and had on my office wall for a couple of years. So oh, when we moved, it just fell oh, apart oh, when I took it off oh, the wall. Which model was it? Uh, it's actually, we probably should say what the book is. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Invisible Selling Machine by Ryan Dice. And what Ryan doesn't know about funnel building and online oh, yeah. marketing. The, the funny thing is, like, Ryan has literally written the book on digital marketing. I, yeah. I, I have a copy here. It's called Digital Marketing for Dummies. <laughs> so. I was just about to say he's written Digital Marketing for Dummies because I've got that one too. <laughs> right. So one of, the things I, one of the things I really like about the Invisible Selling Machine is that actually it's a really practical book. Right, mm. so it actually goes into this is what you need to do. This is how you split test certain landing pages and offers, and this sort of stuff. And you know, goes into the headline examples and using curiosity to sort of get people in and social proof and you know what you need to do and actually sort of building up. And, and the really cool thing in here, he sort of goes into email marketing as well and your CRM. And he sort of goes right into you know the scripts and dialogues of what messaging you should put in. You know, to, to sort of give us some real practical stuff that you can put in and use that straight away. Because I mean, one, one thing is to sort of have, you know, kind of all the ideas, but then when you sort of get to actually implementation, sometimes you get stuck. And one of the things I do like about the Invisible Selling Machine is they say, well, use this script in your email and this heading and away you go, right? And then you can sort of test and measure from there yourself, but it gives you that sort of foundational basis um, to actually set that sort of thing up. Absolutely. Love it. <clears throat> the next one, again, this isn't really a business book, but it's a book that helped me in business. And it's The Four Agreements by Don Miguel, Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz. How's yes. It, how is your Spanish? What was that? Sorry? How is your, your, your Spanish? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, not, so, not so good. <laughs> I can't even do a Spanish accent. <laughs> Um, the Four Agreements is really good. He's got four. It's very, very easy to read. You'll read it in a couple of hours. Basically, it's living your life by these agreements and it's being impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And I'm not going to share the last one, otherwise there's no point reading the book. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that these are really important lessons because in business it's very easy to make assumptions why someone hasn't got back to your email or why someone hasn't phoned your back. It's very easy to take things personally when someone doesn't buy your program. 
and just being impeccable with your word is just at a time where you feel like you want to blame or get frustrated it's actually okay to go no let's just like calm down we need to take these four agreements on so whilst it's not a business book per se I think that the lessons in it are really really beautiful to bring into your business yeah but I can also speak to you know your moral fiber your values mm -hmm. And definitely sort of feed into that person what your personal brand is as well. Totally, and totally. And your integrity. Yeah. All right, now we've got both got this one. Da, da, da. There's actually two because oh, this okay. author is so fantastic that we went, well, rather than, than use the two books, we'll sort of put them in one. But the author is Seth Godin or Seth Godin. I, I'm not actually 100% sure which one it is. Yeah, well, so this yeah. is actually going to go for a bonus. So this is actually a bonus one from Seth. Um, and they're both Purple Cow and Tribes. Right, so two of his great, great books. Purple Cow was one of the first business books I ever read. Really? Yeah, it was one of the first business books I ever read, and probably 25 years ago now. Oh my God! Wow, I didn't even know it had been. I didn't know it had been around that long. Yeah, I think I've had my copy for about 10 years. When was it first, was it first written? Here it is on my desk again. So uh, Purple, was, Purple Cow is is essentially a marketing book. Maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it first published in the United States of America in 2003, so not even that long. There you go. Must have read something before that. But one of the cool things about Purple Cow, right, and, you know, without even reading the rest of the book, it says, imagine you're sort of driving down a road, right, and you're surrounded by brown cows, right? You're in a cow country, obviously, and all of a sudden you see a purple cow in the field. Right? What are you going to do? Right? You're going to stop and back the hell up and go, holy shit, that's a purple cow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and probably, you know, Insta place you linked it. <laughs> yeah. but and, and even more than that, I would be thinking right. it really the wasn't the Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And, and it, it sort of goes into saying, you know, how to build, it really sort of talks about how to build a marketing business, how to build something that stands out from everybody else who's doing the same same thing as you. That's love how, it. The reason I like oh, that one. Tribes? Yep. What do you like tribes? tribes? Oh, I love tribes. Again, these books are super easy to read, aren't they? They're just nice and they're thin. They're just a quick read. He, I love the way that Seth writes. It's just so fun. It's just uh, like but, 134 pages. No. Yeah, nice, easy read. But tribes, the whole idea of it is about creating tribes, creating movements. Like it really hits you in the feels in the way that, you understand I actually really need to show up. I need to leave, lead this movement. People are waiting for you to show up. So this was really good to go, actually, I need to get out of my own way and I need to show up because people are waiting for me. Love a book. I totally <coughs> recommend it. And I think that's a really great way to think about our business in that we're not just building a business, we're building a movement that we are creating a tribe of people that are really, they know that we can change their lives. Yeah, absolutely. As I was actually reminded of something that, um, you know, uh, our good friend um, Steve Bosman mentioned to me the other day. It says, you know, when you, you know, if you want to create a community, and, and we do want to create communities around us because they become our, our friends, our family, our, our contacts, our, our customers. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and Steve reminded me of something I think is, is in tribes as well. He said, when we, when we show up and stand for something that people will come towards us. Right? Absolutely. Um, when we show up and tell people what we, we stand against people will flock towards us right? yes okay, right? and, and tribe certainly goes into that sort of idea that you know hey if we don't stand for anything right we're nothing to nobody 
Yeah, that's right. And, and that's not what we're here for. Right? And as soon as we start to stand for something, we can we will create a bigger impact and we will find our tribe who will be who will naturally gravitate towards what it is that we stand for. Absolutely. Okay? Well, look, even Donald Trump has his supporters. Let's not go down that path. Next book, please, Tim. <laughs> I haven't read this book. Okay, this one, look, bonus number 11, although Seth has stolen two of our favourites, <laughs> is The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Now, again, this is not particularly a business book, but Malcolm Gladwell, I think, is a really amazing author. And I certainly, like, you could probably read pretty much any of, of Malcolm's books, like Blink or Outliers. Oh, I love Outliers. Yeah, Outliers is really kind of freaky when you, when you think about it. But yeah. Tipping Point is one that really, which I really like because it sort of talks about how ideas spread, mm -hmm. right? And how at a certain point you get this kind of, it might also also called the boiling point, where you get to this momentum that everything afterwards become easy. And I'm remembered of a, a good mate of mine who's doing okay for himself now. He he said the first million is the hardest. Because right? yeah. everything after that is just... Okay. And replicate. Then, you just repeat, it, rinse and it repeat. The point. It was the tipping point. It was the tipping point. And we look at particularly financial wealth, I guess. We do get to a point where we have this tipping point where our ability to kind of have spare money to reinvest in, in further growth. And again, we're sort of coming back to something about you know, richest man Babylon here. It talks about if you, if you get to a point where, you know, the amount of money, I can only eat so many dinners, all right? My mortgage is only going to cost me so much. And if that's as a proportion when we sort of start out, that's a massive proportion of what it is that we've got available to us, our resources. Yeah. Right? But we get to this tipping point where that's all covered and the rest of it starts to generate more and more and more opportunity for us. And tipping point sort of goes into this concept of not only financial but ideas, right? Concepts, the whole lot just sort of goes into this sort of stuff where, you know, at what point does an idea become viral? Does a concept become viral? What does a thought become viral? And at what point does Facebook become viral? And what is it beforehand? Right? Very cool. That sounds um, like my kind of <clears throat> Yeah, so a really good, really great book and, and, and it sort of opens your eyes up to, to certain, you know, certain things. Okay? We were talking you know, just last week about you know, content pods and how you can help push your content into that sort of slightly more viral space. Okay, and you might, might be a little bit artificial. It's like when you write, you know, if you ever get around to writing your own book, you're going to reach out to your friends and family and say, hey, guys, it's up on Amazon now. Can you please buy it? And That's the way it works. Then you get Amazon best-selling status. And it might be like, well, I may have artificially pushed it towards that tipping point, but it's not until I get to that tipping point does everyone else then notice and go, you know what, this is my now top 10 business book. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So should we do a recap? Very quickly. <coughs> Recap, super quick. E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Thought Leaders Practice by Matt Church and Peter Cook. Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Klassen. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Getting Started in Consulting by Alan Weiss, Weiss, whichever way that is. Book Yourself Solid, Michael Port. Invisible Selling Machine by Ryan Dice. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Tribes and Purple Cow by Seth Godin. And The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. We'll have to put a link to all of those in the show notes in case none of that made sense because I have a strange accent, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting told my accent is very mixed up. <laughs> Enough to do us. We'll, we'll do a whole episode in Italian. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. That's a spaghetti. 
that's the extent of my uh, that's the extent of my talent. I can uh, do, I can do a quite convincing South African and Irish accents though. Oh, uh, right. Let, let's, <laughs> let's not go there. What are we going to talk about next episode, Tim? Look, next time, we actually, you and I are both doing some travel over the coming weeks to do some work in other countries. And I thought it'd be interesting to see if you, this is something you want to do in your business, whether you want to sort of explore your business locally, nationally, or even on a global scale, and what's actually involved in doing that. Absolutely, because they're very different business models, different reasons. So we're going to discuss the pros and cons, if there are any, between local, national and global businesses. Absolutely. So in the interim, between now and next Thursday, we will see you again. Go and grab one of those books or any book, any book at all and add one of those soldiers to your army and you'll be better equipped to take your business where you want it to go. Love that. So if you liked this episode, please share it with your tribe so that they can hear these books too. Give it a like, give it a thumbs up wherever you've seen it, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube or iTunes or Facebook, wherever. That would be super, super awesome. It's been great to hang out here with you for another episode, Tim. Thank you. Love love seeing you again. Love your face. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Tim. And uh, for everyone listening, thanks for joining us for another episode and we'll see you next week. Ciao. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.